and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a duo you guys are going to love. They talk about how they started their wildly popular internet show over a decade ago and reveal the science behind guessing someone's Chipotle order. They are lifelong friends, the YouTube stars of Good Mythical Morning, and now the hosts of the new show, Inside Eats with Rhett and Link. It's Rhett McLaughlin and Link Neal. Rhett and Link, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Before we begin, I would love for each of you to just introduce yourselves so our listeners know whose voice is who as they're listening to this interview. I'm Rhett. I am Link's best friend. We have a TV show together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Link. Do I sound like Rhett? Sometimes I've called Rhett's wife on the phone and she has talked to me. Whoa, 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 what? As if I were him for like a good minute. A good two minutes. You can only get so much done in a minute. Well, are you? Are you? No, no. no I, it, I answered. She called you, but I picked up your phone and answered it in kind of like a slightly lower voice. And okay. she talked to me as if it was you. So I'm Link. I'm the guy who can sound like Rhett. And it's very deceptive. His wife has betrayed okay. his best friend. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, to to not confuse the listeners, maybe just speak in your own voice uh, for the duration of this interview. You guys are both the hosts of the new Food Network show Inside Eats, which uh, feels like a very natural, you know, extension of the odd, insane, creative food tasting segments that you've filmed for your YouTube show, Good Mythical Morning. Can you tell us a little bit more about what exactly Inside Eats is all about? Inside Eats, in a lot of ways, is an is an extension of what we've been doing for over a decade on Good Mythical Mm -hmm. Morning. We've been tasting every type of food under the sun from our studio in Burbank, where we sit behind our two guys sitting behind one desk uh, five days a a week, eating a lot of food. And we eat the food that everybody eats, right? Now, we eat a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. that no one would, in their right mind, choose to eat, but we also eat a lot of the brands that people are familiar with, the restaurants that they've been to hundreds of times, the snacks that they enjoy, and we rate and rank all those. So we've done that at the desk for 10 years, but now it's taking those brands and those tastes that everybody is familiar with and going to the source, where they are Mm -hmm. made and the people who come up with the way that they're going to taste, why they're going to taste that way, why you might be in love with them. And then we're bringing our questions, we're bringing our our stomachs and our mouths as well, and we are eating a lot, (laughs) but we're bringing our questions um, and some things that you may have not wondered before, like, you know, in one episode we go to Chipotle and we are asking the question because we have a theory that what you order at Chipotle says something about your personality. And then, mm. you know, by that logic, we can know things about your personality and then be able to predict your Chipotle order, which we will do, Jamie, accurately by the end of this conversation. Just to Let's do it right now. Let's not waste any time. What or do you need to get to know me a little bit better before you could Yeah, a- let, have yeah, this let's yeah. yeah, we need to continue to analyze you. That's what we've been doing the whole time. We've <laughs> been, you, been reading reading your signals. Can you okay. um just an- are you willing to answer a few questions? Sure. Are you- yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. turn the tables. <laughs> um, how many fillings do you have in your mouth? I have, I believe I have 
three. Okay, well, I think it's four, but okay. <laughs> You're probably right. right I've, so- I have a couple of broken tooths that have had to be repaired. So I have two implants. Okay, can you hold up both of your hands like this? Okay, good. She's capable of holding up both her hands. And uh, let's see the back. <laughs> see the back of those hands? Okay. Those okay. are like bowl-grabbing hands. <laughs> like burrito bowl? Uh, th- Salad I, bowl? I, I, I am, don't know. I am, I'm leaning bowl. There are two types of people. There are people like Link who get exactly the same Chipotle order every single time. There are people like me who might mix it up based on mood or situation. Jamie has... She, she's ventured from the nest a few times, but yeah. she's learned that she needs to stick with her order. But you have it. You you have tried a, a few different things, but there's something in your mind right now that you're thinking is probably your go-to, and I do believe it is a bowl. Yep. You here's the thing mm-hmm. about the, the the base of the bowl. You like that white rice. You do like that white rice. You 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 want to like brown rice because you feel like it's <laughs> you, you you're like this is the healthy choice, and and people talk about how you need to eat it, but it just doesn't taste as good, and so you go with the white rice. And I'm on team white rice as well. Now we're, of okay. course she, you're not. Well, you are two for two on <laughs> on your guesses so far. Right. So. Um, you, you're wearing headphones right now. Can you remove the headphones from your left ear? <laughs> okay, I'm removing and the then left. Look to your right left. so I can get it. Okay. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Mm. I wasn't able to see all the way to the eardrum, but <laughs> I think that just just judging by the by the pear shape of the ear hole, <laughs> that we're definitely talking uh, a protein of chicken. Okay. Well, I was except you are... when you really think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But and when that's... you really want to get what you want to get, that's when you get uh, the carne asada. Well. Had you asked more questions and knew that I grew up on a cattle farm was, in Montana, I was going to say carne asada, mm. and I and well, that I, is what I was saying. Yeah, you, you wouldn't I'm, let me finish. I didn't think you. I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. I go, I go half steak, half chicken. Okay, that's where we we yeah. were getting a so a, we, we were, were getting both, a subtle chicken signal. We were, we were and a okay. subtle uh, we ca- totally cattle right. cattle signal. Yeah, and I <laughs> I was like chicken, and then it was like dot 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 and. So yeah, I was well. Okay, so, so we're nailing. So we didn't let you finish. Yeah, yeah. right. Okay, okay, now this is where it gets really tricky when you get to okay. the cold portion of the choice, right? We're talking sauces, we're talking sour cream, cheese, we're talking guacamole. Now, this is where there's a lot of room for error here. <laughs> Just gonna go ahead and pad this because <laughs> actually on the show we determined. Well, I mean, we had to use a whiteboard and everything. We determined how many possible combinations of food dishes that can be created at the Chipotle lie. And, and I'm not going to tell you the exact number, not because I don't remember it, but because I want you to watch the show. But I will say yeah, it a, is That's what millions. we call a tease in the business, right? Yes. <laughs> I'm teasing that millions. You basically wow. could legitimate yeah. combinations. You could make a different choice every time for the rest of your life easily, even if you ate there multiple times a day. So what we're doing okay. is not easy, but it is perfect. <laughs> Man, okay, so you 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 do cheese, you do cheese. You're not you're not backing away from the cheese. I I do. So here's my thing on the cheese at Chipotle. I don't really taste it because there's so many other things going on in what I'm putting in my burrito bowl. So sometimes I leave it out because I figure if you I love cheese, like it's in my Instagram bio. Right. Like yes, I am a cheese person, but sometimes I leave it out at Chipotle because I feel like there's so many other flavors going on. I don't really yeah, get the yeah. cheese. Well, I'm skipping ahead. I know there's guacamole. We also here. we I gotta say I mean, we, obviously, we, we, we yeah. skipped we skipped beans. Yeah, um, you do not get beans. You're a bean. Oh, no, I do. Oh, right. Except when you do, <laughs> which is every time. And, uh, but I get like I get like black less beans, like a little bit of black beans. You're saying go yeah, light on the black yeah. beans. 
right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Light <laughs> on the black beans. And then, I feel like your guys' method to figuring this out is really just, you know, leading the witness into um Don't expose them. us, Jamie. <laughs> All right, go ahead and tell us what else you throw on there. You got some okay, corn so salsa. I, I do no, I Medium don't do the salsa. corn. I uh I do <laughs> the pico and the really hot salsa. Oh, that's a nice mix. Uh, yeah, and some lettuce in there too. Um, but yeah, I used to go full burrito like when I first started going there. But yeah, I would say if if I'm gonna go, it's gonna be a burrito bowl. So you guys definitely you you nailed that. You nailed the, the rice. Start. You sort of nailed the protein, I'd say. But I I, I mean, I'm gonna give you guys a, a perfect score okay, because I that was that, that was still very impressive. Don't give us a well, no, score. the real question is what does it say about me? Because that's also part of your um, you know, exploration into the world of Chipotle, right? Yeah, so we learned a few things. You, by, like, you like variety by by talking to you know the people at Chipotle who are preparing these dishes, but also the people who are at the front line there, you know, with interacting with the customers, making the decision. And that, that's the position that we're that we envy, right? And yeah. and what we really we were really asking her. It's like okay, you see people walking up. You can you've developed a sixth sense. This thing that we're you know that we're trying to channel here psychically for you when you work at chipotle and you're on that line you do start to get that sense she's like well mm -hmm. people with glasses like uh fajita veggies well and i thought she was kind of messing <laughs> with me but i mean business business people, people like burritos that, that business <laughs> okay. business people like burritos she's very adamant people about these who things. look like they're, they're gonna it's the people who look like they're not risk takers who actually like the spicy stuff what we ended up finding uh, in the end is a, we'll save that for anybody who wants to watch the show. But uh, let's just say that we learned that everyone is their own individual. I like that. That's nice. I mean, where do you guys think that this curiosity that that, that fuels, you know, these explorations into these, you know, either if it's a restaurant or if it's a, you know, a bunch of Oreo snacks or Pop-Tarts like this, this curiosity, where does this come from? There's a relatability that's like, you know, I mean. Good Mythical Morning has just been our friendship on display for a decade. And so what do, what do friends like to do? Well, we like to eat together and we like to analyze things and we like to, you know, we like to keep it light. We like to have fun. We like to make each other laugh. And we also like to take things that are, relate to the other person, things that we understand, and then kind of pick it apart or elevate it. So that's what you've seen us do for years on Good Mythical Morning. And I, I, on Inside Eats, I feel like we're taking it up a notch because we're going out into the world. We're, we're asking these questions. We're trying to make each other laugh. But at the end of the day, if you're not learning something, who are these two guys trying to be funny? It's like, we actually want to know these things. We just happen to have a very strange interest in, well, in the specifics. <laughs> you know how when you, uh, when you meet somebody at a party and they have an interesting job, we have a tendency to back that person into a corner and ask them all the questions. I mean, especially like when you meet somebody who like has worked in an emergency room, those are the best ones, right? You can be with that oh, person wow. all night long. But what we have found is that, well, what if we had the opportunity to go into the inner sanctum of the Cheesecake Factory? Well, the first thing that I'm thinking is, why is your menu so big? Like, how did it, <laughs> exactly. why is it spiral bound? It, it has ads in it, right? And- there's so many dishes representing basically every continent on Earth. I don't think they have any like Antarctic food, but maybe well, every their other. cheesecakes are refrigerated. That's true. So they have all seven true. continents. And then asking the question, <laughs> how did it get this big? Why is it this big? And then 
how do you make all this food, right? How do you how, how do you make over 250 dishes every single day? And I, I mean, every time I've been to the Cheesecake Factory, I haven't thought, man, where's my food? This takes forever. I would think, I use like, you order it and then you're talking and there's some brown been, bread. And then on that brown bread. And then all of a sudden your dish is there and it always tastes the same. It's always good. So we're going to go and, you know, we went and talked to the people who had those answers for us just because we're curious about it. Why is the menu so big or is that giving too much away for that particular episode? You know, everything at the Cheesecake Factory, interestingly, is very much determined by the original vision of the owner who and founder who still is making the decisions. He's I mean, tasting every single thing and tens of things are added to the menu every year. So the, really? the menu is constantly changing. It may be more than that. I think they said there was like 20, 24, 25 new menu items a year that are kind of replacing other other items. Yeah, so it's not just the menu's huge, but it's constantly changing. And, and he was already he, like 50 he years old. He every single thing. He was already like 50 years old when he started this thing in the late 70s. Wow. He's still doing this job. He's still like passionately tasting everything. We, we met the head chef. We did not get to meet the owner because I think he's hidden behind a wall of cheesecakes, just <laughs> doing nothing <laughs> he's but just tasting, tasting. He's too right. He's too busy tasting. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, speaking of tasting, I know you guys had an episode of uh, Good Mythical Morning where you tasted every single Cheesecake Factory cheesecake, 30 of them in a row. Yeah. You could say you're well acquainted with their flavors and that giant menu. That was a great morning. Yeah, I bet. Uh, what is what is each of your favorites? So interestingly, we collectively decide on a favorite. And I don't know okay. exactly which one we each gave the highest score, but the one that won for us was the white chocolate raspberry. I'd say it's pretty unexpected because I thought that I liked the chocolate peanut butter one, whichever one that is. And, I, and I, that's the one that I'll get when I go. But then when you're tasting them all together, you're like, oh, this isn't something that I would have necessarily thought of. But hey, we both gave it the highest collective score. And then, you know, we always we taste all of them, give them our gut reaction score. Then we bring mm -hmm. out the last the top four to really get analytical about it. And yeah, the uh, the white chocolate raspberry was number one. But the number one selling cheesecake mm. at Cheesecake Factory is just a regular cheesecake with strawberries. Okay. That's the one like in the in Simplicity. the in the refrigerator is it's like a work ready of art. ready to go. They've got a bunch of them ready to go because it's the most common that people order. In the episode, okay. we were we were taught how to properly garnish, properly glaze and then garnish the strawberry onto the cheesecake slice. Mm. That was, that is there was, an art to that? Yeah, it's more complicated than, when we're than doing it than if uh, an employee's <laughs> doing it. It takes it took us quite a quite a bit of time. For anybody that hasn't seen your show, like the ratings are on a scale of one to 100. So there is, you know, a lot of room for these cheesecakes or whatever you guys are tasting to to come in at, at different levels. I'm curious if you were rating your own personal palates on a scale of one to 100, what score would they get and what score would you give your co-host? Oh, how like how good is our palate? Yeah. How good's your palate? I think it depends <laughs> on your definition of good, because if you... <laughs> If you like everything, you might say that that is not very discriminating. Uh, he's, tr he's trying to anticipate my argument right now. But I will say we recently uh, tasted a bunch of spices blindly, and I got a, like 10 out of 11 correct. Uh, I don't know how many you got. Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we have test tasted our palates 
So I'll just let the, those Taste results. Taste your palate. You haven't tasted Speak your palate. Or tested. tested. Yeah. I'm known for being um, a picky eater, while Rhett is known okay. for being a voracious eater. Whenever there's anything placed in front of us, he will eat everything in the time I've taken like three discriminating bites. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very analytical and I have, I have reasons for why I love things as well as it just seems that everybody remembers the reasons why I don't like things. So I'm very opinionated. You're just, you spread your arms to the culinary world. I am very world. accepting. So we're, so we're very different. <laughs> if, if Rhett hates something, you're like, whoa, this is, oh. that's gotta it, be bad. That food has a problem. Wait. Is there anything that you absolutely will not eat, Brett? Uh, I have tried to make myself like liver, but I but I I can't do it. Like I there, I have some sort of visceral reaction to it, and people are like, well, you just haven't had it prepared right now. I can eat a pate, right? If you mm, do the okay. pate thing, I can take it that way because there's something else in there, you know, that takes mm. the edge off. But if you do the straight up. You know, people in the South, where we come from, will just take some chicken livers and just like fry them up with some onions and it'll smell real good. It'll look real good. I'll be like, today is the day. Because here's the thing, with me, when I don't like something, I make it a mission to like it. Because I don't like ha encountering food that I don't like. When I was a kid, I didn't like honey mustard and I was like, well, they keep putting it on everything, so I'm going to like it. Now I love it. I didn't know that. You didn't love honey mustard as a kid? The first time I tried it, I was like, why does everybody like to dip their nuggets in this? And then I was like, well, I can make myself do it. And now I crave it. <laughs> I liked it right away. So take that. But I can't like, I, I, to something about the fact that it's, the t I don't know, the taste, the texture. The texture. I can't do it. Yeah, maybe. Okay, that's fair. It's the final Link, frontier for me. <laughs> Link, I, I know you said you're picky, but is there like one thing that you is like top of the, the picky list for you? Yeah, I would say olives. I would say celery. I would say tomatoes. <laughs> I would say um, <laughs> uh, cucumbers. But I like okay. pickles. I also like ketchup. And um, okay. I like a raw mushroom, but I don't love a cooked mushroom. Interesting. You like olive okay. oil? I like olive oil, but I don't like olives. <laughs> the oil of the olive is amazing. I don't like those that green papyrus stuff that they wrap sushi in. Seaweed. Seaweed. <laughs> papyrus. I mean, that's like that stuff is nasty. But again, okay. it's on. It's every, like licking an aquarium. But he, here's the thing, though: if you go back to young uh, Rhett and honey mustard, every time you get sushi, it's unless you request it to not be seaweed but it's just a huge insult to any sushi restaurant but like it's on everything so you could just be like i'm gonna start liking i'm gonna like that taste and then if i could do it as a child you could do it as an adult i've learned to like sushi in soy paper okay and even right. e even like the raw fish like some sashimi i i'm getting there so it's not like i'm <laughs> obstinate i am open but i'm also opinionated but you know here's the okay. thing is that because we're not chefs, by if you hadn't if you hadn't picked up on that yet, <laughs> um, we're tasters, right? And I think that between the two of us, we sort of represent a spectrum of people's palates as we interact with all these foods that everybody has a, a sense of familiarity with. So, mm -hmm. as a team, tasting all these things because we're trying to sort of be when, on Good Mythical Morning and on Inside Eats, we're trying to be like a conduit for your experience as, as the viewer, right? It's like, well, what would I mm -hmm. do if I had to taste all this stuff? Uh, can I trust these guys? And I think between a guy who likes everything and a guy who has a lot of stuff that he doesn't like, you get a pretty good collective culinary opinion at the end of the day. 
Yeah. No, I think it's it's like the, you know, the every person's, you know, kind of um, opinion or right. viewpoint of, of a lot of these foods. I can't do bell peppers and I cannot do mint chocolate chip ice cream. So those are. Oh, those are my you, two. You had, some, so, so you had some issues with mint chocolate chip. That's it. Yeah. I don't oh. believe in mint in my desserts. Like I like yeah, mint in a I, gum. It's like toothpaste. Yeah, I, I exactly. Love to, I love to brush my teeth twice a day. I'm fond. Of, I'm fond of that feeling, <laughs> but not with chocolate. But not with chocolate. I just don't want to eat it as like you know dessert with chocolate. I agree. I agree. Speaking of ice cream, uh, I know you guys also got to visit Cool House Ice Cream's flagship store mm-hmm. to taste their flavors, maybe create some of your own. Um, so if you could each have a signature ice cream flavor, what would it be? First of all, Cool House was an amazing experience. I mean, um, they're female-owned. And there's like this, it, it, they got a great uh, experimental energy to all of their uh, flavors. They like to push the boundaries. I mean, they even made a French's mustard ice cream. And you can go down the, um, the freezer section. Did you try it? What, they didn't have it in stock that, that yeah, day. so it was a limited uh, time some of them are, it's, Some of them are more about the marketing, you know? So if you mm-hmm. go down the grocery store aisle, you won't see that one, but you'll see their churro stand ice cream like mm. next to Ben and Jerry's and it's, they're doing a great job. You know, I love Ben and Jerry's, but they've got their own thing going. So when we were thinking about going there, we were like, okay, they're willing to go really far. Would they allow us to make some ice cream flavors? Now that wasn't your question. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't want to reveal the ice yeah, cream flavors that we made. It, right. Because I think that what we ended up doing was creating ice cream flavors on that episode that were representative of, of us in, in, in some way. And but all, they were all, in, all in the name of seeing where the limit of what is acceptable as ice cream is, you know, because th- mm-hmm. they had done so much. So they had been so experimental. We wanted to be like, okay, is there some place you can't go? Like we learned really quickly right at the, right at the beginning, we were like, is there a place you shouldn't go with ice cream? And they were like fish. <laughs> Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Like, that, you that's fair. We, they, they had actually tried some kind of oyster ice cream or something that had, they were like, seafood just doesn't translate into like a cold, creamy, as you, I mean, as mm-hmm. you think about cold, creamy seafood, like those words don't go together. <laughs> but you can go savory. I will say yep. that we both went savory because all the sweet stuff has been completely done, right? And you might find some interesting results when you go savory. But okay. I mean, to answer your question, like if if I'm making just my dream guilty pleasure ice cream, I like a lot of the doughs, a lot of my, the doughs, a lot of the cookie doughs, <laughs> and the the brownie batters, and the. Uh, so you like some like chunks in your? I like some chunks, but I I don't okay. I don't love a lot of um, crunchy stuff. Like okay. I like I like my ice cream being smooth. Mm. Smooth, okay. like yeah. a like a jazz radio station. I think a perfect <laughs> ice cream is a chocolate base. I love chocolate, and there's a few places that will do peanut butter in chocolate, and they do those like bands of peanut butter. Like you'll get yeah. like to a pocket of peanut mm, butter, like a ribbon or something, uh, like a ribbon. Yeah. Yes, a ribbon of mm. peanut butter. That is the word that I was looking for. Yeah, uh, and Ben and Jerry's does a really good chocolate peanut butter. They actually had. This limited time, or maybe it was Target only. I think we we said it was the best peanut butter flavor because it was. Uh, it's called peanut, peanut butter, butter world, world, but it was oh. chocolate base with peanut butter ribbons, and then a like one additional peanut butter thing. That was some good. Mm, ice probably cream. cups, but I, I mean, when I'm at home, I'll just take some vanilla ice cream, 
I'll get it nice and soft and then I'll get a scoop of my favorite peanut butter and mm-hmm. then I'll just mix that together and just make peanut butter ice cream. Um, yeah, that's actually kind of what my boyfriend does. He does like a, a scoop, uh, you know, a spoonful of like some sort of chocolate based ice cream with the peanut butter. And like, oh, that's, that's have his, you tried that? Like, have you done well, chocolate? I, no, I, I like the vanilla because I like it just to be peanut butter flavored. Like growing okay. up, we would always have that like home churned ice cream, like homemade. Mm-hmm. And we would always have fresh peaches. It was always peach flavored. But they, but, yeah, the Neil wants to make peach ice cream. Peach I ice love cream. it. I love it. But nothing beats that vanilla. Except one year, we were like, uh, Christy and I had just gotten married, and we were like, we're coming to the Fourth of July thing. We're, you know, when you get married, I don't know if this is a Southern thing, but they give everybody a homemade ice cream maker Everybody's that you going. never use. In fact, <laughs> legally, you are not married unless you have one of those. Well, we're legal because we have one. Yeah. And so we're like, all right, first year of marriage, we're going to the 4th of July cookout with my family. We're going to bring our ice cream maker and we're going to make homemade ice cream and we're making it, making peanut butter. So like vanilla base with peanut butter. And, and you were, hold on, this is- It was amazing. But you you broke out an experimental recipe on a family? Well, I mean, Christy did the heavy lifting. I mean, you got lucky. I was going to say, you never bring an experimental <laughs> recipe to a gathering. You well, always my, try it with yourself. My family's not like yours. They're not going to disown me. Over <laughs> <us>. <laughs> it was is awesome. That the, is that the only time you have used the ice cream yes. maker? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, we've. it was amazing. I'm talking about it 22 years later, but you still have, we've but you never it. made it again. But no, you got, still have that ice cream maker. No, I don't have it. We got rid of it. I was like, you couldn't bring that. When we moved out to LA, I was like, you, got, you can't bring everything. I mean, of all the things that you guys have learned on this new show with Food Network Inside Eats, what's the most interesting fact that, that you've come away with? I, I think the most unexpected and interesting episode was we went to Beyond Meat. You know, this is the first time they had let anyone inside with cameras. Well, yeah, because their workers go in. With cameras. But they don't take cameras usually. Because this is a- but they have microscopes. You know, this is a like super pr- proprietary process and there's obviously competitors out there because what they're trying to do is they're not trying to make something for people who are completely plant-based. I mean, if you're completely plant-based, plant-based you can enjoy it. But they actually want someone who- Likes meat, likes the taste, the texture, the experience of meat, but wants to eat a little bit less meat, wants to have an alternative to meat sometimes. So they got to be able to nail it. And we got to see not all the details. Like we're not about to go out and start our own Beyond Meat. They didn't give us all the, (laughs) and even if they had explained it to us, we, you know, we've been on the internet for too long. Our engineering degrees are no longer applicable. So we would have forgotten it anyway. (laughs) But the process to get the color right, to get the texture right, to get the taste right, that's happening on literally a microscopic level. I was like, I had no idea. Like going into their facility was like wasn't like going into a restaurant. It was like going into a lab, and we had to wear a lot, like a lot of protective gear. Like you talking about gloves, beard guards, oh, yeah. hairnets. Oh, Link, what about you? Is that uh, is that the one of the more interesting things that you learned, or do you have another one? They had this machine there called the E mouth. And they would Ooh. they would put their Beyond Meat patty down there, and then it would munch it. <laughs> and they were they were able to measure like the the bounce and of the bite. It was a robot mouth. It was a smusher. Yeah. yeah. What was uh What was the process of filming this show like con- compared to what you guys have been doing for you know over a decade now? Occasionally, over the years, 
we would leave the desk of Good Mythical Morning and, and go and experience other people's jobs or strange things that we could immerse ourselves in. Like literally, we went to a cereal factory one time and then we said, if we provide a, a, a human-sized cereal bowl, will you provide enough cereal and milk to go in it so that we can literally submerge ourselves in cereal? <laughs> and I, it was like we had gone to heaven. <laughs> but, I mean, there's so many episodes of Good Mythical Morning, and with all the other things that we're doing here at Mythical Entertainment, it's like, well, you know, we don't get out that often. So it was that was an exciting part of the show. I can't remember your question anymore well, because I, now I'm just talking, <laughs> thinking about cereal. Well, because, you know, with Good Mythical Morning... It's a daily show. Like we can't, right. we don't have the time to go out and, and interact with people, but we love doing that. And like, like I said, you get, when you go to the place where this stuff is made and talk to the people who know about it and know the processes and can answer our questions and show us all these things that we could never see on our set, that takes time. So mm-hmm. just the process and sort of there's the difference of working on an internet show and then kind of go, and we've, we've done the traditional TV thing before, you know, a couple of times, but we haven't done it for many years and getting back into that world. And it's just a a different process. But I think that one of the exciting parts of it that I think helped to create what Inside Eats became is figuring out how to have this collaborative process with Food Network to be like, you know, we've got our idea of how we're going to be asking these questions and engaging with these people. We've got the things that we want to know. And then you quickly learn things it's like, well, and we're making a show for a network where everyone watching, they don't just want to see two dudes cutting up. They want to see food, right? I mean, I think about mm-hmm. the way that I enjoy Food Network and it's because, as we've already established, I love to eat I, and I like looking <laughs> at food. If I'm not eating it, I would like to be looking at it at all times. And so- Close up, slow-mos. Yeah. What we don't do on Good Mythical Morning is if we're talking about an Oreo, we don't all of a sudden have this beautiful slow-mo shot of an Oreo that makes you just want to take a bite of it. But (laughs) on Inside Eats, if we're talking about something, you're going to see it and it's going to get almost smell-o-vision close to you, right? Oh, good. I can't wait to watch it. And you're going to be very, very hungry. I like to get hungry. Up next, Rhett and Link talk to us about Good Mythical Morning, which has been an internet sensation for over a decade. You film your show every weekday. I'm so curious what like what your work schedule is like. How do you come up with each of those episodes? We have a great team. I mean, here at Mythical Entertainment, we have over 125 employees wow. working across all of all of the content that is, is being made on multiple YouTube channels. It's not just what Rhett and I are making on Good Mythical Morning and Good Mythical More and our podcast, Ear Biscuits, and our TikTok videos and all that type of stuff. There's a whole other channel with an ensemble cast that knows a lot more about food than we do called Mythical Kitchen. And then there's, there's an ensemble comedy brand called Smosh that works out of here too. So it's a great place to work. And we, so we work with a lot of great people who have great ideas. And having done Good Mythical Morning for 10 years, you get to a point where they understand what we're interested in and what our audience is interested in. So our team of writers and producers are constantly, week after week, coming up with, they're following the trends of, okay, what do people, what do people care about in terms of, mm-hmm. of eating or studies or like when we're digging into science or what, whatever direction. We've been in a lot of directions over the years. So they know what's going to resonate online, 
What's going what's gonna to be a nice little pick-me-up? Like our audience counts on us every day to have a little pick-me-up, you know, to be a part of our friend group. I think they've, they've gotten that down to a science. So we mm-hmm. definitely can't take credit. Our mythical crew has, uh, they're so creative. Yeah, when they, it comes they've to made stuff, it as stuff. easy as it can be for us to do all this stuff. And then our schedule is, as you can imagine, very full, but very efficiently planned. That is the one place where our engineering degrees have sort of taken hold here at Mythical Entertainment is we and our team apply. We, we go as efficient as possible to do all the things that we do. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, you have like you said, you have 125 employees now, but let's take it back to the beginning just for a moment. I mean, this is not news to your fans, but perhaps for some of these newer, you know, Food Network fans that you're gaining through this this uh, podcast and through um, your new show. I mean, how did it all start and and how has it evolved over the years? Yeah, the reason why we can give each other such a hard time is because we've known each other since first grade. We're, we're not spring chickens anymore. We're, we're in our mid-40s. So it's like we've endured each other for, hmm. for quite a while. And you're not sick of each other yet. Well, well, don't put words that, in our mouth. That's a, you know, that's a relative. It's a relative term. We're we're beyond that at this point. Yeah. I'm, so we met in small town called Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. It was the first day of first grade. We were both held in from recess for writing nasty words on our desks. And our punishment, our teacher, Miss Locklear, said, while everybody else is outside, you got to stay in here and just color pictures. And the pictures she gave us were of mythical beasts. And so now that, that was, that's the origin story of our friendship. And that's why the name of our company is Mythical. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why our fans call themselves Mythical Beasts. And that's where Good Mythical Morning comes from. And after that, you know, meeting at that point, we became best friends and been best friends ever since. But in high school, we started to get this idea that we wanted to do something creative together. We didn't know what that was. I mean, Maybe filmmakers. The best example we had of an entertainer was a guy who came to the middle school dances and could like DJ them, but also maybe do magic, you know, so. <laughs> I was just going to say, was he doing magic yes. also? So that was an was entertainer. He also, was he also like, like filming, you know, the, the dance with a, a VHS recorder in the, in the corner? Very as much well. so. Like, yes. Oh no. <laughs> was that your dad? <laughs> we know you're dead no but it might have been my wedding dj from well, back in the day so we <laughs> knew that we d- ain't nothing wrong with a little magic at a wedding we didn't know that we we knew that we didn't want to do that we knew we wanted to do something so we actually did no joke a blood oath in high school Whoa. we went out to the cow pasture that we frequented and sat <laughs> on the big rock and the little rock that we also frequented uh, and did a blood oath with a sharp rock and just said we wanted to grow up and create something together. It was very, you know, if you're going to set big goals, keep them very, very broad. Yeah. Vague. It, yeah, yeah, very vague because <laughs> then you can say that you accomplish them later in life. And this podcast right now is it. <laughs> Thank you. We've done it. I lo- congratulations. You guys can retire now. <laughs> no, you, this- you, you've been a guest on Food Network Obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> so we... We found every way that we could to entertain an audience. And when YouTube came along in 2006, we jumped right on that train pretty quickly, made it into a business. Like I said, we got engineering degrees, but only did that for a little bit Uh, and then found a way to throw together a living because we were already each married with families when we started YouTubing back in 2006. So we quickly tried to find a way to, to, to make money off of it and 
one thing led to another and we ended up getting some of the videos that we were making back in 2010 or so got noticed and somebody wanted to make a reality show. We were making these local commercials for businesses around the country, very real businesses and real people, but playing into the local commercial tropes, right? We, we met a guy in High Point, North Carolina, who was, he had been a gynecologist in Cuba, but now he was a used car salesman in High Point, North Carolina. So his commercial As was, a, he was an <laughs> right. American, a Cuban gynecologist and American auto salesman, you know? So sometimes these things just write themselves. Um, <laughs> so that got noticed and we got a show on IFC called Commercial Kings, which moved us out to California. And that's when we were like, oh, this is where everybody who wants to be doing entertainment for a living is. And mm -hmm. so you can very quickly assemble a team uh, of really talented people. And that's that kind of started the process about 10 years ago of building out what is now Mythical Entertainment. Amazing. I mean, well, like you said, you've been entertaining your your audiences uh, for over a decade now and continue to do so on this podcast as well. So uh, this has been so much fun chatting with you guys. I could talk to you forever, but I know you guys are very, very busy. So we're going to finish things off with a little rapid fire round. And then we have one final question that we ask everybody here on okay. the podcast. All right. All right. Uh, favorite fast food item? McRib. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Shake Shack Burger. Go-to karaoke song? Hello by Lionel Richie. I'm Gonna Love You Forever by Randy Travis. Superior French fry type? Waffle. Curly. Favorite food destination? The food court, man. I can't narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> like the mall food court? Yeah, or like yeah. A, some like a places fancy got a lot of options. I don't like to be put in a corner. Okay. You always order okay. from three places? Yeah, well, sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah, I like to do that. Some of, some of my best, my wife and I's best date nights are when you just go get a little something from a few different places. Oh. Love that. You yeah. talking about okay. the samples? <laughs> no. I'm, we're, I'm, we're paying for them. All right. I, I don't have an answer. He's That's okay. Legoland. <laughs> Legoland. All right. How do you take your coffee? With a little bit of cream. No With sugar. a little bit of cream, no sugar. Favorite episode of Good Mythical Morning ever? The next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's it's too, cheesy, man. It's too hard to narrow it down. I think the one where I hit you in the face with a, a bag of dog crap. Yeah, that was definitely, I can say that's my least favorite. It swung from the rafters. <laughs> I was like, it's not going to hit you, man. Just be still. Oh my gosh. What Food Network talent would you like to have on the show and what would you have them do? No, I mean, we would love to have Guy Fieri. What would we have him do? Well, at one He's point- He's a great guy. I will say at we one know, point- We know the deal about Guy Fieri. We, yeah. And in, in our, in our chef, mythical chef Josh, has an incredible story that he told on YouTube if you just search mythical chef Josh and Guy Fieri because it just shows how authentically good of a dude he is. But we actually, remember- there was one time on the show, we dressed up as Guy Fieri together in one outfit. Then we had to like oh. get out of it. We were, I, don't, I don't even remember how this like, happened. We were like a conjoined twin version of Guy Fieri. And we, yeah, we had, to, we had to do a series of physical challenges. Yes. We could have gotten hurt. Well, so I think if we had him on the <laughs> Guy show. Guy Fieri could have gotten hurt. I think if we had him on the show, we would be that guy again. He yes. would just be himself. And we would both yeah. do the same challenges. And then you would have to compete against the real, actual yeah, guy right. Fieri. I feel like we're getting closer <laughs> to that happening. Yes. All right. I think, I mean, we're putting it out in the universe right now. So perhaps uh, we're just going to manifest this right here on the podcast. So our final question, uh, we ask everybody this at the end of our interviews here on Food Network Obsessed. What would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want to hear, you know, what you're eating for breakfast, 
lunch, dinner, dessert. Um, there are no rules. Calories don't count. You can time travel, regular travel, spend however much money you want. It's your day. So we want to hear about it. Oh, my goodness. OK, breakfast. I would eat the smoothie that I eat every eat every morning oh, for breakfast. Gosh, I love on. I love my breakfast smoothie. There's a reason why what I it, eat it every morning. What's in it? What's in the breakfast smoothie? Protein powder. What's that peanut butter called? That's made with almonds. PB Fit. Oh, Almond no, well, butter. No, Almond butter. <laughs> Are you joking? Uh, at a certain point in the interview, my brain just kind of gives I, out. I That's think okay. you know what? blueberries. Oh, you're gonna list uh, all a little your flaxseed. Oh gosh, this is your favorite meal. That's it for breakfast. Yeah. For breakfast. There is a biscuit. There's a place in Asheville, North Carolina called Biscuit Head, which does, I can't remember the name of this particular thing, but everything they make is basically starts with a biscuit. And this biscuit has fried chicken and gravy on it and some other things. I think there's also pimento cheese. Oh, God. Anyway. Okay. It, that's a good answer. That's breakfast for me. I'm not changing okay, so my that's answer. breakfast. I'm going to take lunch and okay. dinner together. And I'm going. Okay. And, and the reason I'm going to do that is because uh, you haven't been on this show yet, but- we have a show on the Mythical Kitchen uh, channel called Last Meals, where our chef Josh actually prepares what you would want for your last meal. So I actually had to think about this already. And of course, now I'm realizing I'm doubling up on fried chicken because that was one of the things I would want. But you know what? Right. Why not? It's have your perfect food day. Again? Yeah, it's your day. I'm a huge fan of beans, specifically baked beans. Mm, and this is same. the complete food, you know. And uh, if done right, it can be the perfect food. For, for nostalgia's sake, also taste sake, I'm a big fan of a pearl onion casserole. Now that may sound like depression food to you. I don't even know you, what that is. <laughs> but essentially, it's essentially like cheese and onions together. But the onions are those little, those little tiny mm. spherical onions that are just yep. wonderful. But I would also have French onion soup because again, Ooh, okay. this cheese meets onion theme mm. meets day old bread. Yep. That's a really good thing. Um, and then for dessert, I'm a red velvet cake with cream cheese icing guy. Okay. Let's hear the rest of yours. Like. I think, I think I will go to Waffle House for lunch and then I would, okay. I would get a bunch of scattered hash browns. I would get some soft scrambled eggs with cheese and onions There you go. and there you a go. pile of crispy, crispy bacon. And then I would move to dinner and I, I probably get some of my... My nanny's fried chicken. Can she make that from the grave? Is that, that oh, like God. absolutely? I, yeah, okay. there's no rules. Yeah, I'm oh sure the God. recipe is is lying around somewhere. No, I, no, she never wrote no, it down. You want you want her to make it for you? I agree. Yeah, I agree. I would resurrect my nanny. <laughs> oh, have her make me her fried her fried chicken was so good. I miss her more than her fried chicken, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like it right now. I, I understand that. I think she would appreciate your your affinity for her fried chicken. And then for my midnight snack, I would oh, have I uh, raisin nut brand cereal. And then for the milk that's left in the bowl, I would then pour some raisin brand crunch cereal. Okay. And add more <laughs> milk. And then when there's two different raisin brands. When, yeah. And then when that was done with the milk that was left, I would add some frosted mini wheats. And the way that that milk after three bowls of cereal is just like, it's a marinade. You basically know everything <laughs> you need to know about Lincoln, that he starts his day with a flaxseed smoothie and ends it with double raisin bran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with some fried chicken sandwiched yeah. in between. 
<laughs> I love Am it. Am I being no, judged I'm, right I'm, now? <laughs> no, absolutely not. There is no judgment on that final food question. No, this has been such a delight talking to both of you. Cannot wait to watch the rest of the season of Inside Eats. I think everybody's really going to enjoy it and I uh, can't wait to see what you guys do next. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. Great to meet you, Jamie. Oh, man, I cannot imagine the shenanigans those two get up to. For more of them, check out Inside Eats with Rhett and Link Sundays at 1030, 930 Central on Food Network and streaming same day on Discovery+. Plus. Thanks so much for listening and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. 